Welcome to the Speaker Live Show. This is episode 50 for Wednesday, March 16th, 2016. Thank you for listening. I'm Rob Greenlee and work for Spreaker and Adore as the head of content. We're going to be speaking with a new podcaster on the Adore Network, and his name is Julian Clark, and he's the host of the Hollywood-based After Dark with Julian Clark show at the Second City Studio Theater in Los Angeles. He's going to be with us here in a minute. I do this show each week for you, the uh, aspiring podcaster, anyone looking to do an online radio show. Spreaker is a great place to host your show. This show is streamed live every Wednesday at 3 p.m. Pacific, 6 p.m. Eastern from SpreakerLiveShow.com. And the show can be heard in iTunes, iHeartRadio, Stitcher, and soon the Google Play Music Store. Please leave a review. Uh, We want to hear from you. My email address is rob at Spreaker.com. And you can also send Spreaker a support email. Just send it to support at Spreaker.com if you have a question or technical issue. You can also send a a, a tweet to uh, Spreaker at Spreaker if you have any feedback or uh, questions about the platform. And you can also send a tweet to me as well. I'm just at Rob Greenlee. Spreaker also has a blog at blog.spreaker.com where we have articles and uh, Spreaker news there. Spreaker was just uh, in Paris at the Europe's biggest uh, radio conference called Radio Days Europe um, here over this, uh, this past week. Uh, March 13th through the 15th. The event brought together uh, 1,300 radio professionals from 60 countries, and Spreaker uh, was an exhibitor at the event, and uh, it was great. And if you go to the blog, you can read all all about uh, podcasting from from Europe as well and what's going on over there. Spreaker has some new features in the new Spreaker Studio for desktop application. We um, also support auto-ducking. In our, our studio, I'm actually using that software right now to, to do this program. Basically enables you to uh, talk over the top of any kind of um, music that you're playing or any kind of an intro, and it will auto-adjust the volume level. And then after you're done speaking, it'll uh, increase it back up to normal. And we also launched uh, auto-download functionality in our, our Spreaker podcast radio app for Android. And this is a listening app, so we have the, the ability now in that app to support auto-download. So you can go in and subscribe to a podcast and have it um, automatically download to your Android device uh, and have it ready for playback anytime. And then in the the blog, we have a article in there uh, about celebrating the International Women's Day about podcasts. So there's three podcasts in there that uh, you can definitely go check out that uh, are done by women that are outstanding shows. And definitely go check that out. That's at uh, blog.spreaker.com. Joining me on the show today is Julian Clark, the host of uh, Hollywood-based After Dark with Julian Clark show at the Second City Studio Theater in Los Angeles. The show is a clip-centric late-night experience complete with digital shorts, up-and-coming comedians, celebrity guests from TV and film. This is kind of the next-generation take on the late-night talk show format. So it is a video show, but uh, it's also an audio podcast, too, that's available on the Adore podcasting network that's uh, powered by Spreaker. I think you, you would enjoy the show if you listen to it. It's also available. You, uh, you can watch it on YouTube as well. Just go to youtube.com slash comedy. And I wanted to play a little clip from the, the show so you can get a sense for what the show sounds like as a podcast. So I'm going to play that right now. Uh, guys, Beth Hall is with us tonight. <laughs> a lot of stuff has happened since our last show. A lot. <laughs> Time just flies by. I don't know if anyone know, knows. 
Uh, Twitter shut down over 125,000 terrorist accounts um, that promoted violence and irrational hatred. Two international behavior research scientists have discovered technology that will tell you whether or not you suffer from resting bitch face. <laughs> this new amazing device is called a mirror. <laughs> Can I get some resting bitch face? It's like Kristen Stewart, you know? Look at that picture of her. That's, that's, that's her all I got. Oh. That's all I got. Nice. Yeah. I'm a nice man. You're a very nice man. Well, You're a good looking man. Is that right? Yeah, yeah. Well, thank you so much. I approve of your looks. I like you too. Thank you. All right. Australian billionaire Clive Palmer is building the Titanic 2, which is an exact replica of the original Titanic, which will set sail in 2018, with passengers being given period costumes to wear while they're on board. Which is terrifying. These people are automatically probably taking on characters while they're on the ship, right? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, They're waiting until 2018, because by then there will be absolutely no icebergs left. And that's all the jokes we wrote. Well, Julian, welcome to the show. Welcome to the Speaker Live show. It's great to have you on. Yeah, uh, we just listened to a minute and a half clip from your uh, your most recent episode. And it was your kind of your stand-up um, bit at the beginning of the show. It was funny as usual. You got great jokes there. The yeah. audience appreciates that. <laughs> I hope they do. It's it's the reason why we uh, we spend so much time uh, writing all these these funnies, as we call them. Yeah. So, why don't you tell us a little bit more about uh, After Dark? What you know how it started uh, what's the whole situation down there i mean the show and i know it's been a fairly recent uh, move into podcasting but why don't you give us a little bit of background on the show yeah of course thanks for asking what happened is about last may second city came to myself and a gentleman by the name of graham rich who him and i have kind of both been doing comedy for a while and we've both been specializing in kind of comedy sketches digital content online very similar to the kind of videos that Andy Samberg used to do on SNL. And uh, they had an interest in kind of creating a platform for us where we could do more videos like that. But our concern was, you know, in a very crowded field, um, as I'm sure you understand with podcasting, in terms of like just videos for comedy, especially in L.A., it's so crowded. Everyone kind of has their own brand and they push it. And uh, we didn't really want to tie ourselves down to one particular style of comedy. We kind of felt like we wanted to to be um, very open to different things and, um, you know, different uh, vibes and tastes. So we felt what would be a good container for that. And so we kind of came up with the idea of a late night show that would serve as a way for us to, you know, do satire and hitting like uh, pop culture and politics, but also do material that's kind of like slice of life. As we started putting the show together over the summer for the launch in um, in a July, early August, we started to realize that the show itself, the late night show, was becoming much more important and we were investing more time in it than the videos. And uh, we kind of launched it the, late last year and it's been running now. Uh, we just had um, two episodes fantastically taped this past Sunday. You know, we, we kind of moved forward with the idea that by putting together this kind of beast, as we call it, where it has videos and then we do a live taping every month and we tape two episodes back to back in a two hour span with a live audience, it, we kind of would create like this own channel of just content and be able to work with up and coming comedians who are our friends and give them a platform to do original characters and stuff. And then we would also bring in celebrity guests um, as a way for us to connect with the industry. 
it's been so successful so far, and uh, we contribute that to you know our incredible writing team, which we've kind of put together from scratch. We brought in a lot of our friends, but we reached out to a really extensive comedy community at Second City. And, uh, you know, it was trial and error, as everything is, and we wanted to make the show not only something that comedy aficionados or comedy nerds would like, but we wanted to create a format that anyone can enjoy. And when you're online, you're always fighting for every moment of um, your audience's attention. So the show is very clip-centric. It's released as full-length episodes, but we also release it in a playlist form so people can watch a three-minute segment, they can watch a two-minute segment, they can watch the whole 30-minute episode. And being the kind of content that we do and the guests we have on, we thought it would be an awesome opportunity then to move over to podcasting as a way to you know expand our audience and hopefully you know, just get more people enjoying what we're trying to do, which we're really passionate about. So how many episodes have you guys done so far? Uh, we've just finished filming our 13th episode. I mean, if you look at what you guys are doing versus like the Jimmy Kimmel show or the, the late night show, it's kind of similar, but you guys are doing this more for the internet generation, right? Which uh, isn't watching television much. So oh, yeah. do, do you kind of see that as what you guys' niche is evolving into becoming is kind of like that alternative to that? Yeah, I mean, that's our goal. We feel like, I grew up obsessed with late night. Our head writer, uh, a gentleman, a very funny guy by the name of Brian Nichols, is also a huge uh, late, right, uh, late night fan. And he has friends who actually work on Kimmel. It's three and, o'clock. And um, we find ourselves very like um, envious, not only of what they're able to do, yeah. but we find ourselves in a position where we realize that the landscape is changing you know, late night is, for lack of a better explanation, it's very white. It's very um, male-dominated. And we wanted to create, first off, a late night show that was representative of the changing face of America. We also wanted to create a late night show that is quick. You know, it's not an hour and a half long. It can be watched by anyone. A lot of our content we don't intend it to go viral, but we write everything with the hope that it does have the potential to go viral. The reason why we do that is because we know that quick bits and uh, ways for the audience to connect right away to the joke is what drives internet viewers. And that's kind of what we do. Everything we create is meant to be like the audience recognizes it right away and we get in and out as opposed to a longer segment. And we feel like that provides an alternative for people who are online, have the opportunity to watch something without being dragged down by like, oh, I got to wait 25 minutes for this or this guest is coming on at this point or these like long commercial breaks and stuff. So it gives us the opportunity to be the alternative, but we hope to be the standard moving forward. So as you guys make your program, you guys make it in in the mindset that this program is going to be cut up into short bits of sorts, right? That can be socially spread on in YouTube or in social and those kind of things. That That's your kind of production mindset? Or is the conversations that you have with your comedians and celebrity guests in there, are they formatted to be short uh, as well, so they can be put out as segments. Yeah, so we'll, that's the primary goal. What we do is we, okay. you know, we have usually about two or three sketches per episode, and they're you know either fake guests, song parodies, or songs, or fake commercials, or whatnot. And we write them in a format that it really plays at most three minutes. We try our best to keep them low. With the guest, it's the same thing too. I mean, obviously, we've had some guests on. My favorite so far has been Kevin Dunn from um, HBO's Veep, and I'm obsessed with him. I'm a big fan. I wish I could have had a 40 or 50-minute interview because the questions I could have asked would have been, you know, something that I've always wanted to know. But the fact of the matter is, is people just 
online visually they don't have the same attention span that someone like I would have. So sure. that you know we kind of like have a pre-interview with the guests and it's our opportunity to find out like what are the most important things we want to ask and what are probably the the funniest things that an audience would get out of it. And it's not just the audience in the room, it's the audience online who has the ability to you know, click, open up a tab and search something that he says. If someone's like, uh, like uh, we just taped an episode with Matt McGorry where Matt talked about he went into audition for Orange is the New Black and he played a certain song that got him dancing that he felt booked him the part. Now, he sang it in the room and it was hilarious, but for people who are online, they also now have the chance to search that also. And it just allows people to be as interactive as possible with it. But the mindset, as you mentioned, is that everything is cut up and people, we put it in a, a playlist form so people can come and go as they please. And hopefully they do watch the full you know, version of it or they do watch every video in the playlist. But we also understand that we're fighting, you know, we're in competition with so much. Yeah. So we just try and get them hooked in any way we can. Because certainly if you look at um, podcasting today, it's typically a little bit longer form audio content. People have a little more time to listen to audio than they typically do to, to video on the go, especially if you're talking about mobile video consumption. It's typically pretty short consumption. Now, granted, on the big screen, people tend to watch longer form video. In podcasting, it tends to be in the, the 25 minutes to 45 minute range. And it does seem like that you guys are kind of playing in that, that range to some degree, but it is a little longer form content. So how do you think about balancing that tension between um, the expectation of short form on your video side and then longer form on the audio side? Well, I definitely am jealous of the audience that uh, podcasting garners. I feel like podcasting is so unique in that people usually as soon as they start playing that episode you know they kind of listen to it and uh, they may be doing other activities but there really isn't that opportunity to switch as quickly as there is with youtube where even if you're watching the video youtube has offered recommended nine or ten videos on the side (laughs) I, i think it's it's difficult and i think the audience you get with a podcast although this isn't a dig at the people who actually watch our stuff but I think they tend to be a little more into what they're listening to. Um, And I feel like they tend to really delve into the material. And I feel like we have to walk a fine line between being able to keep something that is short and quick for online, but in return doing something that is in-depth and very funny in the hopes that people um, in the podcasting community would forgive us for our length because the comedy is so on the nose. Yeah. And um, I feel like as soon as we became a podcast, I feel like what we did is that we made sure to hone on every joke so that everything is very specific. So you would not need a visual cue to understand something. Mm -hmm. And in the process, not only did I feel like our writing became better, but I feel like we were able to make sure that no matter what, if you're listening, even if you're like, oh, it's 30 minutes and it's done, you're still walking away going, man, that was funny. I think that's the goal. I mean, obviously, in the future, you know, we move to a new studio space under under a larger distribution platform online, and we have the time to go more in depth Mm -hmm. and do longer bits and stuff. But um, for now, I feel that uh, we just have to make sure that we're honest to both sides because I feel both platforms are just as equally big in their own right. It put a disadvantage to both sides if we tended to favor one over the other. 
Yeah, it seems like if you look at like you know like the Late Late Show and the Jimmy Kimmel Show and some of those formats that are on broadcast television, that they tend to that lean back experience on the TV does put them in a position where they can go longer form. But yet, I see a lot of those guys playing around with the online stuff too, where they they basically take that hour long show that they have and they're cutting it up for social as well. I mean, they're pulling out individual jokes or viral moments or things like that that are funny, right? That could be quick hits in like a YouTube platform or in Facebook or in Twitter. So how important is kind of social to your distribution strategy as well? I mean, social media is very important, especially in general, but especially when we have the celebrity guests on that we do, because most of these celebrity guests um, have huge followings. Their huge followings are usually with Twitter and Instagram. Mm -hmm. And by connecting with these guests, we open up our content to them. Most of these guests we're getting have huge fan bases that are really, really dedicated. Um, So what happens is they start listening to the episode because they're big fans of the guests. But then what we hope we can do is then connect them to our content. And then what we do with our Twitter and Instagram is we kind of release a new video daily. So although we have um, a new segment daily, so although we have like a playlist with four videos, five videos, and we release that playlist one day, in subsequent days up to our next playlist episode release, we kind of highlight every individual video. And by doing that, you know, not only do we hit them on the head once with our content, but we come back and go, here, watch this two-minute video. Watch this minute-and-a-half video. You know, we hope that not only that simplicity and um, flexibility allows them to watch it, but we also then hope that the content kind of does the rest. And the best part I feel about our show is, in addition to the fact that we have a very diverse team, who works on it, you know, that isn't in the traditional uh, fashion of late night. But we also aren't restricted by, you know, network standards and practices. So, you know, we can push the envelope a little bit with our content. You know, we could take a topic that's um, a hot button issue and stamp, you know, put our stamp on it with our perspective without worry that, you know, someone from CBS or NBC is going to come saying you can't do that. So we hope like this collaboration of a bunch of different ways in order to make it as digestible as possible is what kind of drives the viewers and the listeners. I mean, well, one thing that you guys don't, don't have to be worried about is um, kind of censoring. Definitely. But, but is that something that's in the back of your minds as well as you think about trying, trying to reach the largest audience around language? Are you guys sensitive to, to language on, on your show? or uh, We're not the... sensitive, but okay. we imagine that, as with anything, you know, what fuels the unfortunate thing, I think, and anyone who's involved in pursuing an artistic form, whether it's comedy or whatnot, is that you always realize that in order to take the next level, you need finance. You hope that you're able to secure that finance without bargaining so much of your brand. And, you know, we take great pride in the fact that we are, you know, we, I don't mean uncensored in the fashion that we just have nude people. No, no, yeah, no, it's more like uh, those seven words that are off limits to broadcast, right? Are they, there's more flexibility in the podcasting and online world to to go down those paths. And, And I know some content programs have a philosophy about it from the perspective of trying to reach the largest audience. And just like what you said, there, there is a economic motivation there as well. Yeah. I mean, you, at the end of the day, you have to, as passionate as you're, you are about your art, and I'm sure there may be some people who could argue that probably a bad way to think, but like you have to get paid and you have to pay the people you work with and you have to expand your outreach and get your art out there even more. And so you event- inevitably are presented with opportunities to finance yourself and stuff. And you know we're hoping that as the show continues to grow that we don't sacrifice the ability to 
say the you know a word in particular or in my mind it's more of just like covering certain issues you know for example even though everyone talks about him is you know, donald trump is obviously so talked about now in our previous taping we did a a sketch that was a little bit racy and but i the audience got a kick out of it and i think the online audience too and i feel like we can do that stuff as opposed to someone like fallon or Kimmel, who they want to say it and they do say it, but they're not able to do it in a way that leaves the kind of impression that I'm hopeful After Dark is able to do it with. Yeah. No, I mean, that's the power of uh, the the online medium. It doesn't have those kind of constraints quite as much. Yeah, and to be honest yeah. with you, also sometimes the online medium works better because everyone then offers their opinion. You know, you may have someone who is a big Donald Trump fan and someone who's not. As crazy as it is, two people getting into a fight in the comments section on a YouTube video drives views. So, yeah. if, you know, you want to start that conversation also because it makes your work, you know, if your work inspires people for better, for worse, then I feel like that gives you the opportunity to expand your audience because people are going to watch it whether they agree with it or disagree with it. Yeah. So as you guys uh, talk to these actors that are in, you know, many of the TV series that you guys are talking to, you know, the Beth Hall and the coming on i mean a lot of these actors are younger actors that are kind of uh, have been around maybe hollywood for a few years but it seems like a lot of them are kind of young and they're up and coming and they probably think of of um, the online side as an important uh, audience for them to to reach that maybe they still want to get on kimmel and they still want to get on fallon and they still want to get on the, the these other late night shows but this is probably an area that they want to develop as well i'm sure yeah i think it's I think you have to nowadays, as we've discovered from working with these PR and management companies that represent these guests, is that like they are very cognizant of the fact that you know s social media is the be all and end all. Especially when you have someone like Catherine, whose show um, Shadowhunters on Freeform comes from a very popular book series. So mm -hmm. you know by drive by using your social media to you know access all these people who are obsessed with this book and the show it allows you to you know promote and get your audience on your side and i feel like what we've realized with the with social media is that you have to connect the guests with you you have to connect your show with the guests and i mean these guests come on board and part of me wonders you know like you know Catherine, who is going to be huge one day they're probably you know they're bringing her on because she understands i think the value in our show and the kind of the audience we have but also i i imagine there will come a time when Catherine will be on fallon or will be on sure Immel. and in many ways our show kind of serves as the first step for her yeah um in terms of doing kind of like these press junkets as they call them but what we hope is not only it stays like that, but that it serves as like, you know, oh, you were on Fallon, you were on Kimmel, were, were you on After Dark also? I mean, yeah. that's the goal. And that's kind of like, we hope in their mind, the one they really want to be on, because it's kind of the one that's a little less snooty, for lack of a better term, although that's that's probably not the right, less, um, less uh, it's more they can let go more and be more than themselves, you know? Yeah, it's less of a mainstream kind of thing. It's more of kind of the, the cutting edge niche of the online world. Is cool to those those younger actors because you know i mean a lot lot of them have pretty passionate fan followings so just like you were talking about that social connection that you were talking about is is uh what you see as common across uh, all these young actors and actresses is that they they have those passionate fan followings you know i've been to conferences around the country where i see you know like supernatural has all those stars that, that are part of that series that um, um just have these rabid fan bases right and that doesn't exists quite as much on the the more traditional kind of um, broadcast side, right? That those 
those fans are mainly being attracted to those actors based on their, their online presence. Yeah, and, you know, I feel, obviously, it'd be great to have someone like um, Brad Pitt or yeah. Bradley Cooper on our show. But uh, what we I feel like the alternative we get is not only do we get people who are working and very successful and recognizable, but we're getting the people who have the cult followings, who may not, yeah. so we may not have the reach that someone like a Brad Pitt would have. But the reach we do have is so um, intense and so passionate that I feel like it it provides the same reaction and the same result. Yeah, well, and Brad isn't quite as uh, popular with the younger younger set these days too. He's getting older. <laughs> yeah, definitely. I mean, it's 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 that's another thing. Is you know we really are the late night show for young Hollywood. Yeah, and you hope as like with. Um, you know, as they would say with like Coca-Cola, you know, if you'd have a can of Coke, get them hooked on Coke, even if it's a bottle of Coca-Cola, a can of Coca-Cola. The idea is that, you know, hopefully we get all these younger listeners and viewers and younger celebrity guests hooked on After Dark. So, you know, for time to come, it is the standard for them, you know. Oh, I think it's great. So what's the next big, big thing that you guys are working on now? I know you're trying to optimize your, your podcast versus the the video stuff and you talked about maybe in the future you guys working with a bigger venue i mean what's the reaction of your in-studio live audience been and how's that going the studio has been great i mean the audience is fantastic every time and i think it's it is a result of a we finally have developed that hardcore fan base in los angeles Mm -hmm. but i also think it has to do with the fact that i think even if we have strangers in there which you know we do get new people in a lot because we do get different guests in every month is that our content is always good and where we need it to be. And I think as a result, you know, the studio audience is always delivering the kind of laughs we need. So if you're watching it or if you're hearing it, you want to, you were like, oh man, these people are enjoying it. I'm enjoying it too. Uh, You know, we do need a larger space. The past couple uh, shows since really, really since October, our second month, then we've realized that we do need a larger venue. Not only because I think it would give us more time in there, but I think we can fit more people in because, you know, our show is regularly oversell we unfortunately have to break fire code a lot to get in there that's a good problem to have right it's a very good problem uh, <laughs> we were taping like i said our episode last sunday and we literally were so oversold that a lot of the management and pr people were given seats backstage to watch the show behind the walls and the doors that make up our space so you know it's the goal to have a larger venue but i think the yeah. main goal is to you know get on a distribution platform that not only provides us with a form of income but keeps gives us the opportunity to uh, have a larger audience with mm-hmm. higher views. And I think there are a lot of companies, um, because we do have a lot of them come and watch the show, who want a late night show and who want some kind of topical weekly thing that covers the news and pop culture, because you know really every channel has one of those. Mm-hmm. So I feel like it's a matter of your channel giving your audience what they're going to find somewhere else and keeping them connected to yours. So that's the goal. And then in terms of you know what we're trying to do on the podcast is obviously make every episode perfect, but we really want to create a channel the listeners can come in and you know be able to watch, listen to uh, specific interviews that may not be covered in our full episodes, the chance to have like longer extensive interviews with other guests who may be more popular among niche audiences. And I think also then 
the ability to do audio sketches, fake commercials and whatnot, and just provide more content, I think, on the podcast side, side so people on a weekly basis are having the opportunity to listen to something. Yeah, that's, that, that's actually really, really great, I think. As you develop that studio audience, I mean, are, is the audience uh, paying to be there? Are you guys selling tickets or they're free tickets? And if uh, they're free tickets or even if they're paid, paid for tickets, so how would a person actually get tickets to one of your live tapings? Well, you just go to um, AfterDarkWithJulianClark.com and there is a, a ticket tab. Or you go to SecondCity.com and go to the Hollywood branch and buy tickets there. Um, they're $10. We announce our guests about two weeks out. You know, it, it happens quickly. I, I, in the beginning, I was a little worried because the show was new and I, I didn't know whether what kind of audience we'd get. But it's the guests that really drive the tickets. But surprisingly enough, last time around, and I think it's a compliment to how hard we work and what we do, is that even before we announced the guests, tickets were already being bought. Um, so it happens quickly and you know after the show we have a pretty beautiful step and repeat banner outside where we take photos with the cast crew and the guests and it allows the audience members to come and actually take pictures with the guests and connect with the people that they follow online or the people that they're fans of and i think that's also really helpful because you know like going back to i keep using brad pitt rob as a (laughs) As an example, but, you know, like you may be able to watch Brad Pitt on Fallon, but, you know, you wouldn't have the opportunity to meet him. And, you know, we want that because even if the audience member is connecting to that specific guest, I think the experience is what they're really trying to connect to. And I feel like hopefully that experience is something that wins them over month after month. Yeah, that's great. Well, so when is the next next live show taping that somebody could, uh, could buy a ticket for? Yeah, the next show is actually taping Sunday, April 17th. Okay, fantastic. And it's at 7.30 p.m. Doors open at 7.15, and we tape a 30 minute, uh, about 30 minutes, and then we take a quick break. We usually play one of our videos that we've been working on, and usually they feature that month's celebrity guests, and then we take the second episode. That's at the Second City Studio Theater in L.A. Where in Los Angeles is the Second City Theater? It's right in the heart of Hollywood. It's actually... Okay. Hollywood Boulevard, not just a hop, skip, and a jump actually down the street from where Kimmel is filmed and where um, the Chinese theater is. So it's uh, it's right there in the action. All right. So lots and lots of people take trips to that area in L.A., that's for sure. <laughs> we'll definitely enjoy it, I promise. Yeah, exactly. Hey, well, Julian, it was great to have you on the Speaker Live show. To learn oh, thank you so much for having me, Rob. More about what you're doing there. And uh, uh, welcome to the Adore Network. It's great Thank to you. have you on board the, the Spreaker platform, and to, we feel honored to have, have you guys a part of our platform. So it's great. Thank you. We're very honored to uh, to be involved and to be working with uh, such uh, talented people as yourself. All right. Well, thank you. And and you guys have a website. It's afterdarkwithjulianclark.com. Yeah. And then also we have a YouTube page that we'd love you guys to visit, youtube.com backslash afterdarkcomedy. Yeah, exactly. So, well, thanks. I appreciate it, sir. And thank you. Thank you for listening to the Spreaker Live Show, episode 50 uh, with Julian Clark. Uh, it was great to have you spending some time with us here. And definitely, if you have a question or comment, send it to me, uh, rob at spreaker.com. Give us a review in iTunes or any of the podcast listening platforms. And we will be back uh, next Wednesday with another interview on the Spreaker Live Show. Uh, And uh, have a great day, and thank you very much.